Coming up on 5-Minute News. Russian troops press their attack in Ukraine's east. Redlining tied to more oil and gas wells in urban areas. And Joe Biden launches $6 billion project to save dormant nuclear plants. It's Wednesday, April 20. I'm Anthony Davis. The Russian military attacked cities and towns along a boomerang-shaped front hundreds of miles long and poured more troops into Ukraine on Tuesday in a potentially pivotal battle for control of the country's eastern industrial heartland of coal mines and factories. If successful, the Russian offensive in what is known as the Donbass would essentially slice Ukraine in two and give President Vladimir Putin a badly needed victory following the failed attempt by Moscow's forces to storm the capital Kiev and heavier-than-expected casualties nearly two months into the war. In what both sides described as a new phase of the war, the Russian assault began on Monday along a front stretching more than 300 miles from northeastern Ukraine to the country's southeast. Ukraine's military said Russian forces tried to break through our defences along nearly the entire front line. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said the Russian military was throwing everything it has into the battle, with most of its combat-ready forces now concentrated in Ukraine and just across the border in Russia. They have driven almost everyone and everything that is capable of fighting us against Ukraine, he said in his nightly video address to the nation. Despite Russian claims of hitting only military sites, they continue to target residential areas and kill civilians, he said. The Russian army in this war is writing itself into world history forever as the most barbaric and inhuman army in the world, Zelensky said. Weeks ago, after the abortive Russian push to take Kiev, the Kremlin declared that its main goal was the capture of the mostly Russian-speaking Donbass, where Moscow-backed separatists have been fighting Ukraine forces for eight years. A Russian victory in the Donbass would deprive Ukraine of the industrial assets concentrated there, including mines, metals plants and heavy equipment factories. Minority neighborhoods in the U.S. where residents were long denied home loans have twice as many oil and gas wells as mostly white neighborhoods, according to a study that suggests ongoing health risks in vulnerable communities are at least partly tied to historical structural racism. Black and Latino residents have complained that they are disproportionately exposed to health risks, including heart and lung problems and premature births, from urban oil and gas wells, some located just a few dozen feet from homes and schools. Some studies have found hazardous chemicals near oil and gas operations at levels above what is considered safe. But researchers at the University of California, Berkeley and Columbia University wanted to determine if there was a connection to redlining when black and immigrant neighborhoods in the 1930s were shaded red on maps developed by the homeowners' loan corporation. Residents in those areas often found it difficult to find homes anywhere else. 
Researchers compared the maps of 33 U.S. cities to records of oil and gas wells dating to the late 1800s. The maps graded neighborhoods A to D. Overall, redlined or D-graded neighborhoods not only had more wells before the maps were created, but many more wells were developed in those areas afterward, the research found. The study was published in the Journal of Exposure Science and Environmental Epidemiology. The Biden administration is launching a $6 billion effort to rescue nuclear power plants at risk of closing, citing the need to continue nuclear energy as a carbon-free source of power that helps to combat climate change. A certification and bidding process opened on Tuesday for a civil nuclear credit program that is intended to bail out financially distressed owners or operators of nuclear power reactors. It is the largest federal investment in saving financially distressed nuclear reactors. Owners or operators of nuclear power reactors that are expected to shut down for economic reasons can apply for funding to avoid closing prematurely. The first round of awards will prioritize reactors that have already announced plans to close. The second round will be opened up to more economically at-risk facilities. The program was funded through President Joe Biden's $1 trillion infrastructure deal, which he signed into law in November. U.S. nuclear power plants contribute more than half of our carbon-free electricity, and Biden is committed to keeping these plants active to reach our clean energy goals, Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm said in a statement. A strong majority of states, about two-thirds, say nuclear in one fashion or another will help take the place of fossil fuels. A dozen U.S. commercial nuclear power reactors have closed in the past decade before their licenses expired. Largely due to competition from cheaper methane gas, massive operating losses due to low electricity prices and escalating costs or the cost of major repairs. This has led to a rise in emissions in those regions, poorer air quality and the loss of thousands of high-paying jobs, dealing an economic blow to local communities, according to the DOE. There are 55 commercial nuclear power plants with 93 nuclear reactors in 28 U.S. states. Nuclear power already provides around 20% of electricity in the U.S., or about half the nation's carbon-free energy. You can subscribe to 5-Minute News on YouTube with your preferred podcast app. Ask your smart speaker or enable 5-Minute News as your Amazon Alexa flash briefing skill. Subscribe, rate and review online at 5minute.news. 5-Minute News is an evergreen podcast covering politics, inequality, health and climate, delivering independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade 
acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.